does that, right? I mean, when you have a guest speaker and it's kind of the obligatory, you know, thank you and it's, it's an honor. And, but everybody says that because they mean it. And, and I mean it. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm flattered. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited about what God has. This is, this is my family. Um, I'm clearly the ugly one uh, there on your left. Uh, they're, not, they're unable to be here. All my kids are in school, and, and my wife has recently taken a new job, and so um, she was unable to get off work. But that's them. My wife is Jennifer. My oldest son is Tanner, youngest son Jackson, and then, then Kate is our seven-year-old uh, daughter. So, so that's them. Uh, maybe one day uh, you'll, you'll get to meet them. So, man, what a, if, if, and I hope, I know many of you were unable to make it, but um, the kickoff that Pastor Jeff gave at 9 o'clock um, was what a start to, to what this week is all about. And, and um, man, I, I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for what God is doing here and what God is going to continue to do. Um, if, man, if you just stay faithful to him and faithful to his word. And I know that's the, that's the direction you're on. So I praise the Lord for that. You know, there's no better topic to talk about the mission than missions. And so I'm glad that you are here. I'm glad that God brought you. But here's the thing I want to start with. I know that, that most of you guys know this stuff. Your church knows more about missions than most. And with the pastor you have, you have already received some of the best missions training that there is out there. And if you had an opportunity to take his LFBI class, it, it, was, it was truly outstanding. And I don't say that to flatter him or to puff him up. It is just good biblical stuff. And, I, and so I mean that. And, and so I don't come here pretending like I'm going to give you something new and I'm going to teach you a new plan or a new concept regarding missions because I'm not. That is not my goal. But my goal is to challenge you and to at least get you to ask yourself, what is my role? What, what is God asking me to do regarding missions, because it's got to be something, right? And I'm going to try to challenge each and every one of you to prepare, to prepare yourself today for whatever it is that God has for you tomorrow. So I hope you make it out all week. I hope you can clear your schedule and, and, and just invest, just because here's the thing. You don't know what God's going to do next year. You don't know what God's going to do five years from now. So prepare now. For what it is, whatever it might be that he has for you. So I hope you can make that investment of time to come out every night this week. I hope you can make the investment of time to come out tonight. Spend time with these missionaries that have given their lives to the work of the Lord. And I hope you come with an open heart and an open mind, ready to accept whatever it is that God is calling you to do. And that's been my prayer all along. I've been praying about this for a while now. And I hope you have too. And, and I'll just be honest with you. You know, like Pastor Jeff said at 9 o'clock, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've prayed that some of you will hear the call of God on your life this week to give your life to foreign missions. That, I've been praying that. And listen, we all know that the mission applies everywhere, so it is just important to fulfill the mission of God in New Philadelphia or Blue Springs as it is Albania or Cambodia or Malawi or name your spot. Now, that is a true statement. But we cannot ignore the fact 
that God has called the church to go. And there are people that haven't heard. There are places in this world with no gospel witness. And so if we don't think globally, then we're not thinking like God and therefore not glorifying God like we should. So that might not mean you individually, but someone needs to. So I've been praying that prayer, just so you know, up front. I, you know, I, I, we'll see. What it, God, God can do what he wants to do, and God's going to do what he's going to do, but I've been praying that prayer. But as I was hinting at just a few seconds ago, I've also been praying that all of us, all of us, will hear the call to prepare. To prepare for whatever God has. To prepare yourself to effectively take the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who don't know him. To stretch yourself in order to reach those in need, wherever that might be. In New Philadelphia, in Cleveland, in Pittsburgh. And, I, and, and I'm with Pastor Jeff on this. The, the Kansas City Chiefs play Pittsburgh Steelers tonight, so I don't like them. I don't like Pittsburgh. But hey, they, you know, they need to get saved. Yeah, all right. There we go. But that's what the mission is. By definition, getting the gospel to those in need, it's about restoring the image of God into lost men and women. We do that as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who haven't heard, to those who haven't accepted. And listen, that is what we have been called to do, period. End of story. So if you are a Christian, but you're not interested in doing what God has called you to do, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you. I mean, you joined the wrong team or something. Because our lives are to be about the mission of God. But there's something you have to understand. To effectively be about the mission, you have to be prepared for the mission. You see, part of the reason why good-intentioned Christians fail, and there are a lot of them, and fall into sin or just fall off the map, is because they don't understand what it takes or how to count the cost associated with fulfilling God's mission. And they're not prepared. And they mean well. And they even love God. It ju it's just that at the end of the day, they love themselves more. So this week, we're going to try to help you get prepared by looking at your mission behind the mission. And this morning, I I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, we're going to use one passage out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and that's, that's going to be kind of the basis for everything we're going to do this week. And so um, we're going we're gonna to talk about those first five verses this morning and, and kind of lay out an outline for you that will then carry over in, into Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. And so, um, so we're going to use this as a base in our foundational text for everything that we're going to look at. So if you have your Bibles, um, I, I do invite you to turn with me to, to that passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And, and here in the second chapter of Paul's first epistle to the church at Corinth, we're going to, like I said, we're going to look at these first five verses as we contemplate this theme of your mission behind the mission. Because again, to effectively fulfill the mission of God, there are some things that you need to understand. There are some things you need to have right. And Paul lays this out here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm not going to take a lot of time to, certainly not going to give you an outline of, of the book of, of 1 Corinthians, but just to set a, a little bit of context. The church that Paul was writing to in the church of Corinth, Corinth was in serious trouble. This was a defiled church. This was a divided church. This was a disgraced church. And instead of glorifying God, they were hindering the progress of the, Bible, of, of the gospel. 
And Corinth was a proud philosophical city, and, and unfortunately a philosophical approach was applied to the gospel to some members of that church, and, and they were very divided, and you see in chapter 1, they're, they're following different people. And if you want to know what Corinth was like, just read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. Paul wrote the Roman epistle while in Corinth, and so he was very likely giving a first-hand account of what he was seeing out his window. So as you can imagine, Paul has some pretty harsh things to say in the book of 1 Corinthians, and he's, he's trying to get them back focused on what is important and trying to get them to look at their lives in light of the eternal purpose of God. So in chapter 1, Paul tells them that they need to be wise about the Christian's calling because they've been called to be holy and they've been called to be in fellowship and they've been called to glorify God. And then in chapter 2, Paul says they need to be wise about the Christian's mission and they need to be prepared for all that it entails. So, so, so look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We'll read the first five verses. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let's pray. Dear God, we do come to you uh, this morning just asking you to speak to us. And Lord, I, I, man, I, above all, I just pray that your word goes forth. I know that your word will do the work. So I ask your Holy Spirit to have free reign in all of our lives this morning that there are no hindrances to what you want to do to us and in us. And so, Lord, I just ask you to have your will. I ask that, that you are glorified and lifted up in your rightful spot this morning through the preaching of your word. And, and we just want to know that we love you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now before we get into this passage too deep, uh, it's worth noting that when Paul ministered in Corinth, he did so directly obeying the Lord's commission. See, there's a beautiful parallel between the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 and Acts 18, which is the account of Paul going to Corinth. And I say that because Matthew 28, 19 starts off by saying, Go ye therefore, which is exactly what Paul did. Because Acts 18, 1 says, And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. He went. He obeyed the Lord's commission. And, and let me say, because what we're going to be talking about all week is, you know, this aspect of, of preparation. And there's some things we have to understand in our life. There's some things we need to get right if we're really going to fulfill God's mission effectively, whether that's here or whether that's, you know, across the world, wherever. So that's, that's kind of the thing. But, but, but let me say this, just so there's no misunderstanding. You know, that, that preparation need, needs to go somewhere, right? That, that preparation, while, while we need to be lifelong learners, as we prepare ourselves, that is, that's to do something. That is to go. And, and this is where most people fail. Because they just don't obey the first command to go. To your neighbor, to wherever. And, and if we would just do this and say, in faith, God, I'm going to prepare. And I'm going to start going. I'm going to go to my neighbor. And I'm, I'm going to go to my job. And... 
and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to be a faithful witness for you, and I'm just going to go. And then you just see what God will do with you from there. You know, one of my, one of my favorite verses, it, it's it Genesis, and we don't have this up there, but um, Genesis 47, 6, it's, you know, Pharaoh is talking to Joseph, and, and he's, he's trying to set up something in Egypt, and, and, and so he, he, tells, he tells Joseph, hey, you know, we get, I need someone to look over my cattle, and, and we got you know, to set this thing up. And I love the phrase he uses, because he, he tells him the criteria to look for in the men to help him set up what he was setting up in Egypt. And he doesn't say, you know, go to the most talented or the strongest or the biggest. You know what he says? You can look this up on your own. He says, find me some men of activity. Men of activity. You know what? There's something valuable about being a man or a woman of activity. Where you are willing to, in faith, just go and just do what God says. And just obey. And so I just want to note that at the beginning. That that we need to be committed to, to not just preparing, but preparing to, to do something. Because after Paul went, after he went to Corinth, you know, we are told to make disciples in, in Matthew chapter 28. We're told to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Well, Paul did that. He believed God. Acts chapter 18, verses 7 says, and he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. And verse 11, and he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So Paul started teaching and baptizing. He started making disciples. And even the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew 28, 20, that I am with you always, that same promise was given to Paul. In Acts 18, verses 9 and 10, then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, be not afraid, but speak, hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. So there's this beautiful parallel between Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 18, where Paul goes. You see, Paul obeyed the great commission when he came to Corinth. But now the Corinthians had abandoned the same mission from which their faith had started. So Paul's message is you have to get some things right. And you have to get the mission back to the center. If you want to glorify God with your life. And listen, that same message applies today. Whether we've walked away from it like the Corinthian church had or not. Either way, the mission has to be at the center. And in these first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul tells us how to do it. And he tell us, tells us what we have to have right in order to do this thing right. And so they give us our mission in preparation for the mission. And let me just give you the ending right here at the beginning. This is not to say you shouldn't come back anymore. Uh, you should. Uh, but let me, let me just, I'll just, you know, take any mystery away. Because our mission, in preparation for the mission, according to these five verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is about exalting him and humbling ourselves. Okay, that's where we got to start. That's the basis. And that leads to the thesis of our study this morning, and the theme for the entire week, and that is this. A crucified Savior can only be preached in divine power by crucified preachers. 
A crucified Savior can only be preached in divine power by crucified preachers. You see, this passage is not only about the content of the gospel. It is also about the communication of the gospel. And Paul had made a decision about his communication. He refused to preach about a crucified Savior through his own power and his own persona. And listen, he could have done so. He was an amazing personality, had an amazing background. But here is the key that Paul understood. If uncrucified preachers succeed, they succeed in human power. And that does not give God glory. And we have to understand that as well. Because if our mission is to go and preach, and by the way it is, you know these verses, but Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So that is, in fact, our mission. If there was any confusion about that, I just want to clear that up now. We are to go and preach. And since that is our mission, we need to do it the way God intended. And it's in a way that puts him in a glorified position and us as the lowly servant. So we need to elevate the object of the message, not the messenger. And here's the thing. The preparation involved with fulfilling the mission in a way that glorifies God involves the emptying of yourself. That's where Paul starts in 1 Corinthians 2.1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. And in verse 3, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul emptied himself of himself and exalted God. He declared the testimony of God alone. He didn't try to impress. He just pointed to Jesus. And he came as a humble servant, not depending on himself. His goal was to become nothing so that Christ might be everything. And that brings us to our first key in our preparation for the mission. And and this is what we will look at in detail tomorrow night. But we're going to introduce it to you this morning. Because we all have to understand that we need the right mind. We need the right mind. And the right mind is a humble mind. A crucified mind. Because in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, Paul says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That was his mind. And that's the mind that we have to have, one willing to die, even the death of the cross. Just like Jesus, willing to do anything that the Father's will demands. You know, like I said a few minutes ago, one willing to elevate God. And why? Because he's worthy. And Paul tells us exactly our part in doing that. It comes through a decision. It's just that simple. God doesn't complicate this. In 1 Corinthians 2.2, Paul says, For I determined. 
not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, Paul determined, he decided to put on the right mind and die to his flesh and point to Jesus. And while that may be the hardest thing we do, it is just a decision to make. And your life and my life is about decisions. And we, we rise and we fall and we glorify God or we don't based on the decisions we make. And when I look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I see reverence. Paul revered Christ. He did not use the gospel for another end. He decided that the only choice to make was humility and death to self before Almighty God. And we have to have and make the exact same decision when it comes in our part and God's mission in order to bring him glory with our lives. And that decision always involves that same death as well. In Galatians 6.14, Paul says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Listen, we have been called to die to ourselves and then to live unto God. Like Paul says here in Galatians 6.14, our focus should be on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that cross is a picture of how we are to die. Luke 14, 27, it says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, the cost of living out the mission of God includes a willingness to die. And I, and I, think, I, I think we need even a stronger word than willingness. Because we have to shoulder that cross. We have to bear it. And if he is who he says he is and he is one day returning for us, Aren't you ready to die to yourself and run without weariness to show your love to him? Aren't you ready to run to meet the master's chariot as he arrives? If the king is on his way, aren't you ready to run out to meet him? I mean, you know, going out to meet him is okay, but aren't you ready to come up to him catching your breath because you were running to meet him and you gave everything you had for the mission? That's what it means to shoulder and to bear your cross. It means you're willing to be in public display. That you're identified with Jesus Christ in every single area of your life. And you're running to meet him. It means dying and then serving. So are you willing to run up Calvary's hill to be with Christ? To die to yourself? It's a decision that involves death. Because try this. Take your cross to work tomorrow and see what promotion it gets you. Try to live a moral life in this world and see what the cross gets you. But like Luke 14, 27 says, you cannot be a true disciple without this cross. You just can't. And running to the cross is a one-way journey. And you're going to die to yourself. And you cannot turn around without denying Christ. It's like that old song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. And once you decide to be a true disciple and go all in for the mission, there should be no turning back. And if you make the decision, you have to take up your cross. And to take up your cross might mean sorrow. And to take up your cross might mean rejection. And to take up your cross might mean pain. It, it might mean a lot of things. 
Because the world is in direct opposition to the cross. And I don't think I will have to do much convincing when I tell you we live in a world that is messed up. And we live in a world that is contrary to the mission of God. We all know this to be true. We know that sin obviously entered the world and Satan is alive and well. And according to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that he is the God of this world, little g, and has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And because of that, evil and sin are continually perpetuated. And we know this, this is is nothing new. But what I want you to see this morning is that that evil has a purpose. And the purpose is to keep you from having the right mind and living a crucified life. You see, the evil in the world is contrary to God. And it's meant to distract you and dissuade you from living your life in the context of God's mission for you, which is ultimately to bring him glory. And the devil hates anything that brings God glory, so he counteracts it through religion and politics and violence and unrest. I mean, look at our world today. Just open up Facebook. And it happens because Satan is the God of this world, and the last thing he wants to see is peace and love and joy and unity. So he drives division with evil. So there's craziness that happens in the world because it's Satan's domain, and there's a spiritual, get going on, spiritual battle going on for the souls of men and women, just like you and me. So there's that battle, and you're facing evil. But here's the other side of that coin that really applies more so to us, is the world is contrary to us and to the cross in a very pleasing way. But it is still very much in direct opposition to the cross. Like I said, this is especially true in our circumstances, good Laodicean American Christians. So, you know, we don't necessarily have to battle with ISIS face-to-face every day. We have to battle with Ikea. And you see, for many of us, our direct battle is not with the evil of the world, it is with the entertainment of the world. And we don't despise the world and the world's system that is contrary to God. You know what we do? We embrace it, and we're kind of intrigued by it. So even if we don't jump right in the middle of all the craziness, we at least kind of want to be on the outskirts and see what's going on. And since we embrace it, kind of join up with the world, we're not willing to put on the right mind live a crucified life, because that carnal life is just too doggone enjoyable. A.W. Tozer once said, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of Mansoul and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar. But we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility. You know, I shared this other quote when I was here with you in June by A.W. Tozer, but it's worth mentioning again in this context. He said, the idea that this world is a playground instead of a battleground has now been accepted in practice by the vast majority of Christians. Man, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, I I think it's a true statement. And what we have to understand is this world is not our home. And it goes against what God represents. Listen, you cannot get lost in the playground of this world 
and still fulfill the mission. It's like I said a minute ago, the purpose of the contrary things we face in this life, both the obvious evil and the not so obvious, are meant to keep you and me from truly giving our life to God and living a a crucified life, a life that dies to self and lives unto God, a Galatians 2.20 life that says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live through the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And and that's the right mind. And that's what Paul had, the right mind for the mission. But the second key that we see from Paul's life is is he also had the right manner. And the right manner is, is partly what enables you to have the right mind. Look again at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And the opening words there, and I, can also be translated accordingly on the basis of 1 Corinthians one thirty one, which is the glory of God. So as we just talked about, Paul had not come to Corinth to glorify himself, to promote himself, to set up his deal. He came to glorify God because he was fulfilling the mission of God. So he was going to go about it the right way. He was going to give his life, preach the gospel in the right manner. Paul felt that the mission of God, the the preaching of the gospel was sacred, untouchable, and sufficient in itself. It is a testimony of God who said to his people through Isaiah in Isaiah 1.12, when you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? You see, the courts of the temple belong to him, not them. And listen, the mission belongs to him too, not us. He's just asking us to be a part of his mission. So that means he sets the tone. He defines the ground rules. So there's a way that we need to go about it. There is a right manner to going about our life. And the right manner is that our life needs to be about him. Our manner is to be like Christ. And if we vulgarize the sacred elements of the gospel and the mission by intruding our thoughts and our desires outside the will of God, he is offended. Because the mission is about him. Therefore, your life is to be about him. And that's the only correct way to go about life. That is the manner that we see Paul outlining here in 1 Corinthians 2. Because real life is found in the mission. And whenever you are serving God with your life, you are spiritually growing and you're on a path of fulfilling what it is that God has for you to do. So the question I have for you this morning is this. As you look over your life, for the past year, let's say, how would you rate your mission quotient? What what has been your manner of life? And if the answer is not very high, if you haven't met your quota, then why not? Don't you know that God has made you to live a life for him? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news on this subject, but your life isn't about you. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things, including us, were created by him and for him. 
So did, did you catch that? And if you did, do you believe the Bible? Because don't say you do if you're living life for yourself. Because you're lying. And, and listen, I'm not trying to be mean. Trust me, this message hurts me as much or more than it hurts you. I'm just trying to do right by the Bible. And that is the reason why the power of God flows to us. That is the reason why God blesses us. That is the reason why God cares for us and watches over for us. Not so we can simply enjoy it for ourselves, but God brought you to this church and brought you into this family with everyone else here so you could be learned, so you could learn and then be used by God in the mission. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, you know, sure, Troy, I, I get it. I believe Colossians 1.16, but, but I have a good excuse. And there are good excuses in your mind right now why Colossians 1.16, while it's in the Bible and it's true, it doesn't apply to you. And I know what they are. I mean, there are a few primary reasons that, that we hear why people don't get involved in the mission. And, and the first reason going off in some of your heads right now is you're saying, you know what, man, I really do wish I could serve God more. It's just... I'm, I'm too busy. You know, we've all heard that. And most of us in here today would say that we work too hard or we've got too much going on, and I don't disagree with that. But the truth is, at the same time we say that, we're still able to find time for what we really want to do. Even the busiest people still find time to do what's important to them. So let me help you out if this is your issue, because time management is really life management. And that's, that's good right there. Because if we manage our time, we manage our lives. And all of us manage our lives according to a core set of priorities. So if we determine something or someone to be a core priority, then we find time to accommodate that into our schedule. We just do. And now hear what I'm saying in this. And this is very important. Because I'm not saying you should quit everything else you're doing and you should spend all your extra time, you know, here involved in some church-sponsored activity. You don't, you don't have to be up here every day of the week. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is make the stuff that you are already doing about the mission. See, God does not measure us by how much time we put in, so to speak, but he measures us by the commitment we make and the priority we give to serving him. So look for a way that he can get glory out of the way you spend your time. And if he can't, then you should step back and see if that's something you should really be doing. So you won't be too busy for God if God is involved in all aspects of your life. If you're too busy for God, it's just because you're viewing things incorrectly and, and you have the wrong manner. You're going about life the wrong way. If that's your view, it's because you have God in a silo. And it's one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make is, is, is they will get saved and then they'll just add God on to everything else. And so they got their work life and they got their family life and then they got their church life, and then God is just, just kind of tagged on, and he's another silo in the midst of all these silos. But that's just, that's viewing life incorrectly. No, God is this, has to be the center of everything. And so God needs to be involved in all those areas of your life. He should be everywhere. That way you can be the busiest person in the room and still not be too busy for God. So I'm, I'm trying to help you out, so don't get mad at me. Um, I'm, just try, I'm just trying to help somebody this morning. So that's the first excuse. You're too busy. And then some people think, well, I can't be involved in the mission. I, I, I can't have the right manner because I'm not qualified. 
or I'm not good enough. That's why you need to prepare so that you can. Here's what else is wrong with that thinking. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2, And I, brother, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech, with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, we are not good enough. And in our own merits, we are not qualified. But praise the Lord, he is. Jesus Christ and him crucified is enough. You just have to point to him. And that's the manner. That is the way we should go about our life, is just in a way that recognizes who he is and points people to him. And that leads to the third key as, as we prepare ourselves for the mission, because even with the right mind and the right manner, we still need the right message. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So Paul wanted the Corinthians to trust in God and not in the messenger that God had sent. So that makes the message vitally important. Because think about this for a second. What Paul was describing was the presentation of the gospel, right? It was the message that he delivered. And had he, or if we, depend on human wisdom and preach the gospel as a philosophical system, then the hearers, even if they accept, have put their trust in an explanation. But because Paul declared the word of God in the power of God, his converts put their faith in a demonstration. That's what he says in verse 4. They experience God at work in their own lives by seeing it in, at work in Paul's life. And that is the message we have to declare. We have to demonstrate the gospel and not just explain it. Yes, of course we have to explain it. But we, have, we need to be able to demonstrate it as well. You see, we have nothing in ourselves to speak of in our own power. We should only speak through the power of God. And then when you do speak, you just speak of him with your words and with your life. And like I said, this is vitally important because, listen, the wrong message can get you and them in trouble. And, and this reminds me of, there's a story about this little bird who was flying south for the winter, and, and he got a little bit of a late start, and, and so while he was flying, it, it got cold on him, and his wings started to freeze up. And all of a sudden, he gets to where he can't really fly because his wings are frozen. And so he coasts down, and he lands in this pasture, and he's getting worried because his wings are frozen, and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And then this cow comes along, and I don't know how to phrase this properly. Um, you know, there's a pile of manure that just lands on top of this little bird. And the bird was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, I'm frozen up, and now this happens. But all of a sudden, he realized that, that the manure was warm, and it started to thaw his wings out. And so it was a little awkward. <laughs> But it's starting, starting to feel good again. He's able to get his wings flapping. He just needs to give that a little bit more time to work, and he's going to be able to fly away. And isn't in his excitement, he starts chirping a song, and he's belting it out as loud as he can because he's excited. And there's this cat walking through the pasture. And the cat hears that little bird singing and goes over and pulls him out and eats him. So, so that's the story, but there's a moral. All right, so stick with me. Let me try to bring this to a land. Because um, one, just because someone pulls, 
pulls you, puts you in a pile of manure, that doesn't necessarily make them your, make them your enemy, make them your enemy. And, and second, because someone pulls you out, that doesn't necessarily make them your friend. And most importantly, when you're stuck in that, you just keep your mouth shut. You see, if, if you speak a message that is not timely or is not biblical, you can get yourself in trouble. And listen, if you don't have a testimony of how God has saved you or how he has worked in your life, then, then you don't have nearly an effective message to give. That's not to say you shouldn't, you shouldn't tell the, the, the gospel story. Of course you should. But it's going to come, become so much more effective when someone will see how that worked in your life and how the power of God changed you. And if, then if you're not walking in the Spirit and following the leading of the Holy Spirit, how do you know what exactly to say and when to say it? According to 1 Corinthians 2.4, our message needs to be a demonstration of the Spirit of God. And it is delivered through the power of God. That is the right message. And anything else is selling God short. And selling the listener short. And we just need to speak of him and what he says. In the 119th Psalm, David said, With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. So do that with your lips. And then also do that with your life. Paul says to the Christians in Philippi that they should only let your conversation or lifestyle be as it becometh or is appropriate for the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So like I said, that word conversations mean lifestyle or walk and not talk. He's saying conduct yourself in a way that is worthy of preaching the gospel. So, of course, yes, we need to preach it with our lips, but we should also preach it with our life. And if your life doesn't preach it, then you don't fully have the right message to give. So you have to prepare yourself in that way. Paul puts it this way to the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians 4.1, he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. So it is worth remembering that many in the world around us knows only the gospel that it sees in our lives. And Paul told the church at Corinth this exact same thing in his second epistle to them. He said in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3, he said, Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Paul was saying, listen, the way you guys are living is an offense to the gospel. Because you claim to be saved, but listen, if that's true, then ye are an epistle that the world is reading. They may never read the four gospels, but they're reading your life. And then he goes on to say in the next chapter, in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And we need to have the right message. And the message has to be delivered in the right way. Because that is the mission. And that is what God is calling all of us to do. We need to restore the image of God in the lost men and women as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And in the words of David to Eliab, his oldest brother, is there not a cause? And the obvious answer to that question is yes. There is a cause. And it is the greatest cause this world has ever seen. And God has called you and me to be a part of it. But the question is, are you? Am I? Are you fighting the fight? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you a part of the mission? And if not, then why not? What better thing do you have to do? We are all called. The question is simply who will go. But if you answer the call, if you are willing to go, then you have to make sure that you have the right mind and you have the right manner and you have the right message. And you might be thinking, Troy, that's fine. That, that all sounds good. But you didn't really tell us how to have the right mind or the right manner or the right message. That's why you need to come back tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Because we're going to break all three of those down for you and tell you how you can get it. And we're going to take those three nights and, and dive into those topics in detail. So I hope you can make it. And I hope God will speak to you as he calls you deeper and deeper into his incredible mission. Let's pray.